I'm not as young as I used to be, which means I can't treat my body the way I once did. In fact, last year's medical checkup didn't turn out the best, so I decided I needed to change things up and start eating healthier. One of the ways I do that is by making smoothies. But smoothie shop prices can be pretty high, and making them at home always seem like a pain. You gotta pull the blender out, find the right attachments, set everything up, and then cleaning everything is annoying, making it difficult to quickly whip up a breakfast smoothie in the morning. That's why I'm glad to tell you about the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Like I said, it's portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. That's especially important to me because I wake up before the rest of my family, and once my kids are up, my morning work routine is pretty much shot to hell. And best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. BlendJet 2 has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, so if you don't like one design, there's definitely one that suits your personality. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use my promo code, SuperCinemaPod12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use my code, SuperCinemaPod12, that's SuperCinemaPod and the number's 1-2, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Once upon a time, there was a scorpion. This particular scorpion wanted to get across the river, but she couldn't swim. So she asked a frog for a ride. Wasn't the frog scared of her? Oh, he was scared all right, but she promised that she wouldn't sting him. So they got about halfway across, and then he felt like a burning shot through his back. And he said, oh my, why did you do that? Now we're both doomed to die. And what did the scorpion say? She said I had to. It's in my nature. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. Welcoming a new guest to this show. Uh, we've just recorded an episode for the Patreon show, which you guys um, may or may not have heard already. And that is Brad Mengel. Brad, how are you doing today? Good, thanks. How are you going? I'm doing pretty good. I've got uh, I've got my son strapped to my chest. Hopefully he'll <laughs> fall asleep soon. <laughs> um, my wife's running errands and my daughter's asleep. So it's just yeah. got, got to conk this one out too. Uh, and, uh, they rarely do it when you're on command. <laughs> almost never, but when it, whenever it's, um, but whenever we're in the car, boom, right away he's out. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so this is your first time to this show. So why don't you uh, tell the guests a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm a writer, uh, pulp fan, your uh, movie buff. Uh, so yeah, uh, superhero fan, comic book fan. Uh, I write mainly action adventure, but I also write nonfiction stuff. Uh, like uh, I just just released uh, just earlier this year the unofficial guide to the Mummy and Scorpion King movies. So that was fun. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, and I've got a one novel, Australis Incognito, out through Pro Se. Okay, cool. Um, so speaking of that, so I got to ask you just uh, a tangent since you um, yeah. since you you wrote a book about the the mummy movies. What's your take on Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? Because I know a lot of people hate that movie, <laughs> but I actually found it kind of entertaining. Oh, look, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, look, I could have done without the recasting of <laughs> uh, Rachel Weisz's Evie, but uh, I think it was all it was all right. You know, it, it advanced the characters. Um, there were choices I wouldn't have made. Mm -hmm. uh but you know rob cohen really loves his chinese history so yeah he went to town and i don't think it opened up really opened up the the, the franchise you know mm -hmm. they could have went to south america and you know aztec mummies mayan mummy mummies there's mummies in new guinea there's mummies all over the world that you could interact with for that series so um yeah, and the other one is you could have just gone off in other supernatural directions, much like the animated TV series did. You know, so there was an animated TV series based on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe the animated series, and then the second season really? became 
mummy uh something about the magi yeah and uh yeah so it basically had it focused on alex uh mm. he put on this uh wristband which caused him secrets of the magi that's what it was called okay uh yeah he put on a wristband uh, you'd think he would have learned after the mummy returns. He put on a wristband. It gave him powers. Uh, Imhotep came back, and they basically went all over the world looking for these scrolls to try and get this thing off of his wrist. And, of course, when they finally do get it off his wrist, he's got to put it back on to save his mum and dad. Uh, yeah, but they fought, like, werewolves and dragons and all sorts of supernatural creatures around the world. So that was, yeah, that was an interesting way to really open up the the lore that's a that's news to me i never heard about this series before mm. um so that, that's i'll have to look into that later was it do you yeah. think it'd be worth a watch oh i enjoyed it uh season one's on uh youtube at the moment well it was okay. it was about five or six months ago yeah who uh, knows now if uh they're yeah. take down notices and whatnot okay yeah um Okay. Um, but anyway, another thing I like to ask guests lately is what kind of, what are you interested in lately? Like, you know, movies, TV shows, books, comics, anything, what's kind of grabbing your interest, um, these days? Uh, oh, a bit of everything. Uh, I watched the, the Black Scorpion TV series just recently on the, on, uh, Prime. I, mm. yeah. And then that, that got me onto the, you know, then it got me onto the comics and discovered there's a bunch of other characters called the Black Scorpion. So I sort of just start off somewhere and then just go down a rabbit hole and and then eventually give up and then start a new rabbit hole. <laughs> so was that related to the fact that we're we're talking about the Black Scorpion movie today, or did it just, or were you did you get into the TV show and then decide to come on here to talk about the movie? Basically, yeah, I watched the TV show, okay. TV series. Uh, and then I thought, you know what, I really need an excuse to watch the movies. Uh, and I, actually, I think I just finished the show and you put out the call, say, hey, I'd like some more co-hosts. And okay. I, you know what? I, I, yeah, I need an excuse to rewatch the movies. So, okay. um, yeah, so I, I, that's what I did. I just said, yeah, I'd like to do that one. Uh, and yeah, and uh, I went and watched the, the two movies that they made and, Mm-hmm. And then I think I, I glanced through the comic that they did a few years ago. Yeah, it was a uh, Devil's Do, I believe. Yeah, and it was reprinted by Blue uh, Blue Wave, Tidal oh, okay. Wave. Yeah. Uh, Blue Water. Uh, Blue Water, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, these companies, they change their names and who can keep track? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for my part, well, you know, we're recording now in the wake of the 80th, 85th anniversary of Superman. So they mm. had a big sale on Comixology for like all these Superman books. So oh. I just um, I picked up the second uh, of Ka- Son of Kal-El book. And so I've been really enjoying that. Um, you know, it's a lot. It's a really yeah. fun take uh, on John. And, um, and there's a Nightwing crossover there. And I love Nightwing. Yeah. So it's been really fun to read that. Um, and I also picked up all the um, all the new Fifty Two books, so I'm uh, this is timely after we had just talked about Doomsday Clock. But yep. I'm looking forward to now that New Fifty Two is over. I'm looking forward to kind of giving that run another chance and just kind of seeing how it reads when it's disconnected from the whole "this is not my Superman" yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Taylor's a great writer. Uh, he's based in Melbourne, so I've met him a couple of times. Oh, is he? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also did a series called The Deep, uh, which is, okay. I believe, okay. which I believe is on Netflix. They did turn, there was two comics, and then they turned it into a, a TV series on Netflix, uh, or started off on the ABC here, mm-hmm. and then Netflix bought the international rights. So I believe it's in Netflix America. Uh, it's basically a family who live in a submarine and travel around the world, uh, helping the ocean. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I actually recommended it to to Derek before he he passed, uh, oh, because okay. because uh, the dad in the show just reminds me of Derek so much, um, yeah, just just in looks and personalities. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I imagine what Derek would be like if he wasn't wasn't being if he wasn't going to be Dylan. That's who he'd be, be um, <laughs> the, the the dad for the Nectons. <laughs> I'll check that out. Definitely have to check that yeah. out now. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom Taylor's great. I mean, he is um, he's a writer who has consistently surprised me with things mm. and concepts that I thought 
would not work. Um, you know, mm. Injustice being the prime example when, you know, I heard about the concept behind the comic book and I read like summaries of the first issue. I'm like, this mm. sounds god awful i'm like why would you do this and then i read this i'm like oh shit this is actually really fucking good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then also with um superior iron man after in the wake of the axis stuff where iron man was one of the heroes who had remained like semi-evil type of thing and yeah and i'm like you know why, why would you want to and then i read the book i'm like oh this is this is pretty damn good. I, I'm actually kind of digging this. So he's, <laughs> he's consistently been able to surprise me with um, with these concepts that, um, and even to a lesser extent with um, Son of Kal El, because um, mm. I, I was bittersweet when I when um, they aged up John Kent because I did enjoy yeah. his banter with like Damien and all that and the Super yeah. Sons book, but at the same time, um, you know, I wasn't opposed to it either. I wasn't so attached to the character that I, I thought it was a terrible idea. And it's it's been a really fun read. I really like that he's he he's Superman, but he's taking a different approach to being Superman than Clark did. And um, uh, I mentioned this. Uh, my buddy Anthony Desiato does a Superman show, and I mentioned this in a comment to uh, one of the episodes they did when they covered the mm-hmm. the the Son of Kal El comics, where there's this there's this great scene where Clark and John are talking and. John asks him, you know, how come you haven't done more as Superman? Yeah. And Clark tells him, well, even though I was raised here, this is not my world. And um, so it's not really my place to to impose my will on others. And um, and, and on, on Anthony's show, they had commented on that it felt like a weird thing for, for Clark to say, because he's even though he was um, from another planet he was yeah. raised on earth and he does tend yeah. to think of himself more as human than not and i looked at it from the point of view of a, of an expat right me living in yep. japan where it's like i there's a lot of stuff that i criticize about japan but i'm also not a citizen here so there's yeah. only so far i can go so i could really relate to clark from that point of view and i thought it actually um and I'm not sure if Tom Taylor is actually Australian or if he's a ne- or if he's uh, an immigrant himself. But it it I believe he was born in Melbourne. He he was born in Melbourne. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, be- it, it I did, believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. it did read like something that um, uh, it did read like the attitude um an expat or an immigrant would would have. So I thought that was a, a really interesting point of view. Well, I think we sort of have Australians sort of have that similar viewpoint of America. It's over there. We follow it mm. crazily, but you know ultimately there's nothing we can do to change it so right you know right. we you know we can sit there and say really that's how the election went <laughs> uh, yeah tell me about know, it oh it was, but it was so funny that the day that that happened everyone's running around my office going we're gonna die and I mm-hmm. said, we? you know what's gonna happen why and they're going oh you know he's gonna he's going to go to war and i said who with and they go russia mm-hmm. I, said, I said he's not going to war with russia he likes russia and they yeah, go yeah. oh Oh, okay. And then they just sat down and calmly and like it's funny. I've got a, a one of my coworkers at the university. She's from Australia, and um, one time we we're out for drinks, and she was saying she's like, she's like, you know, Australian politics is so boring. That's why I follow American politics. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I'm going to say our greatest prime minister is probably the man in the Guinness Book of Records for uh, quickest drinking of a yard arm of of beer. <laughs> if you're going to ask me. Um, about australian prime ministers that that is i would probably guess something like that <laughs> from the aussies <laughs> i've known <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah uh yeah i'm gonna say we went through we've been through a few in the last few years mm-hmm. uh they have a tendency to knife each other in the back and go no mm-hmm. i'm gonna be leader now yeah japan has a lot of that too we we've yeah. got a lot of rotating prime ministers in that way um but anyway, uh, like we had kind of hinted at before, mm. today we're talking about uh, Black Scorpion. This is a 1995 um, uh, Showtime movie. It was direct to Showtime, uh, and it was produced by Roger Corman, um, yep. you know, the late great Roger Corman, and it uh, starring Joan Severance as the as the hero. And and like you said, it it had kind of a longevity to it, right? They got a sequel yeah. to it. And then Sci-Fi Channel had the TV show, um, yep. which was one season um, with Michelle Lintel, and that was in 2001. And then there's also that comic book by, um, yeah. that was, it was a digital series by Devil's Deuce. That means it was fairly yeah. recent, actually, too. Yeah, I think it was. Hang on, where's my notes? Uh, 
Uh, and of course, I didn't put that thing on. Which it I... looks like uh, 2011 yeah. or around there. Yeah, yeah. So I think it got. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2009, and then it got 2010, mm-hmm. and then there was like a another one shot that that Blue Water did. Okay, yeah. Uh, after um, that. So you had mentioned that you had watched this before. This is my first exposure mm-hmm. to uh, Black Scorpion. I'd never even heard of this yeah. before you uh, yeah. you sent me the email. But yeah. what is your history um, with this property? Uh, well, I, I'm a big fan of the modern pulp stuff. Uh, and I, one of the groups I was in, someone said, hey, you know, this is this is really good modern, a modern pulp thing with a similar attitude to the Adam West Probably a little bit, not quite as campy as the Adam West series, mm-hmm. but uh, similar attitude to it. Uh, and so I, I watched it, and I really en- and I enjoyed it. Uh, and I ended up tracking down a copy for my own collection, and and then getting two in the TV series and the books, and mm-hmm. you know, just going through everything. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and I enjoyed it. Uh, someone pointed out, you know, there seems to be a little bit taken from. A lot of different places, you know. Batman's an obvious influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Phantom seems to be a bit of an influence in, you know, her, her surname's Walker, and she has a ring that can brand people with a with a symbol that relates to mm-hmm. her. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. Uh, and actually, what I read, um, they did this right after they did the Fantastic Four movie that never got released. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was the same scriptwriter, and Rock Corman produced it as well. Mm. Uh, and basically, Net, uh, what's his name? Craig Craig Nevins sort of went to Roger Corman and said, "Hey, I want to make a want to make a proper superhero movie now mm-hmm. that we can release." And so I, he created, he wrote it, uh, created the character, and yeah, and they made this one. Um, and it looks like the year after this, they did uh, the Vampire Relic. Corman did the Vampire Relic movie that came out. Oh, okay, with uh, Talisa yeah. Soto, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that, but yeah. I never actually saw it. Um, um, let's just so... say it's not <laughs> the best adaptation I've ever seen. <laughs> they definitely didn't do the costume justice. Yeah, I remember looking at uh, seeing photos of it, um, and yeah, they definitely um, didn't didn't match with what was in the comics of that. Um, mm-hmm. So, what were what was kind of like your overall impression rewatching the movie for for uh, for this podcast? Uh, yeah, it was. I uh, it felt a bit like a, a mockbuster version of Batman. Mm. And actually, when I looked up the dates, it came out the same year as Batman Forever, and the sequel came out the same year as Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so very much uh, a female Batman, as it were, uh, with a, with a little bit more sex. Mm-hmm. A, lo- uh, a, I, a lot more sex, actually. Yeah, I mean, there's yes. that. Um... You know, full frontal nudity in this. They've got um, several uh, yeah. sc- scenes in that in that strip club, um, yep. and that sex scene was um, that was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty graphic sex scene. Like it, they don't... and it was and it was long. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, I was rewatching it just before we went to uh, the, talk about it the other day, uh, and I'm rewatching it, and my wife comes out just before that. <laughs> and she's going like how long are they going for and i'm like <laughs> really you wish know, i could fast forward this <laughs> i had um i it was funny because when i got to that scene and you know the the strip club scenes and everything else yeah. my first thought was because I, I knew this i remember reading that this was um direct to video or direct to tv and my first thought was um, going into this that maybe it was like, you know, something like on Sci-Fi Channel or something like that. When yeah. I got to the the nudity, I'm like, well, no, obviously not then. No, and no. so my first thought was maybe this was a Cinemax movie. So I was actually kind of surprised when I looked it up and found out it was it was Showtime instead, because this yeah. definitely seems more like a Cinemax type of thing where it's like yes. the, the the network goes to Roger Corman. It's like, you know, we need a movie um, with some we need a we need a movie with some sex scenes in it. You know, here's, you know hundred thousand dollars or whatever the budget yep. is go make it go make a movie make sure you have like x number of nude scenes in it and then you're good to go yeah yeah well the, i haven't heard anything like that but yeah that was a bit of a surprise uh but when i watched the other movies and the tv series none of none of the others have any of mm-hmm. that stuff so i don't know whether uh that you know nevin's got it out of his system and, mm-hmm. or, you know yeah or you know it was just channeling early wonder woman <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it's funny, too, because when I was thinking about this movie and just like the 
especially the relationship between Black Scorpion and the the her um the the police detective the her partner yeah, yeah. or her former partner since she loses her job and i was reminded a lot of the halle berry catwoman movie and it kind of made uh, me wonder yeah. i'm like i wonder if like the 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 screenwriter of catwoman was like maybe on a deadline he's just like fuck i'll just rip off the script from black scorpion because a lot <laughs> of stuff seems similar yeah well, i could see how that could be the case um actually i watched uh on my DVD copy, that Joan Severance does some commentary on the movie and mm. does like a little bit of an introduction. And one of the things she says is they were reading a lot of comics. Her, she was, the director was, um, she, and I know that. And Craig Nevins has come out and said, "Yeah, I'm a big fan. That's why I mm -hmm. did the Fantastic Four movie." Uh, but I got the feeling they were, you know, reading a lot of those Image Bad Girl comics. Yeah, uh, you know. You know, the the Watchblade, the She, the Razors, um, which they had a lot of sex. And Joan mm -hmm. Severance certainly has the the body to look like. Mm -hmm. you know, Todd McFarlane's drawn. <laughs> mm. Well, they also, um, I was reading the trivia, they actually had to, her costume was actually sewn on. So like every oh, yeah. time they had to take it off, like they had to sew it back on every time you had a bathroom break or something. Yeah, um, she was say, talking about that and she was going, thank mm -hmm. God I didn't get kicked in the bladder too often. Yeah, Jesus. Um now I had a I had a less positive view of this movie than you did. Uh yeah. I and I get that it it's supposed to be camp and all that and and I'm fine with that, but when I was watching it it felt like it it felt like it didn't really commit to that idea of being campy. It felt like it was it was trying to hedge its bets a little bit and it kind of made me <laughs> and some of the dialogue too was just some of the performances are just really really wooden. And so after I'd finished watching it, I was curious if it was just me or if it was if it was the movie. So I thought I'd watch the first episode of the TV series to kind of compare the two. Yeah. And I watched that first episode and I'm like, oh, this is actually a lot better. Like I felt like the oh. TV show, it actually seemed to it seemed to lean into the camp a little bit more. It seemed to be more yeah. comfortable with it. And the performances felt a little bit more genuine um, as opposed to yeah. in the movie. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that assessment either. Yeah, the, the TV series is definitely, definitely better. Um, and and I, it is, as you said, they lent into it a lot more. Um, they recast the guy who plays played the Breathtaker and got Adam West. They got Adam West, and they also yes, recast yeah. uh, Black Scorpion too, right? It's, uh, it's yes, Michelle yes. Lintel in the TV yes, show. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, then they got, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy who played the Riddler. Oh yeah, the, Frank Gorshin. Yeah, he Frank was a, Gorshin he a turned too, up yeah. and played a villain too. So I think they lent more into that. They really went harder onto that Batman uh, side of things, especially the the Adam West TV series. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to see if there were anyone else. Uh, but yeah, when I was looking through the cast, it actually kind of disappointed me that um, they didn't have Breathtaker in the first mo in the first episode because that's what I was hoping, mm. so I could see um, how yeah. Adam West uh, played in the role. So. Yeah. Um, and I don't have time to watch any of the others, but I think I will yeah. go through and, and try to watch at least the Adam West and Frank Gorshin uh, yeah. episodes. Although, you know, you can't go wrong having Martin Cove as a villain in the first mm. episode, who's just yeah. gone crazy. <laughs> well, you know, I think that was also too, I mean, it was, it kind of surprised me that the, the, the story actually had the, the first episode, the story actually had some decent themes they were trying to work with. And, uh, you know, it, yeah. it, it, it feel, it felt like it was there was an attempt to be a lot more layered than the movie was. And mm. I really felt like when they were doing the TV show, at least judge, judging from that first episode, they were really taking their jobs more seriously because I was watching one of the things that especially I noticed was the fight scenes because the, yeah. you know, Joan Severance, she may look good in that outfit, but my God, she's terrible at fight choreography. Like just God yeah. awful. Like her kicks are just, and I'm not going <laughs> to, stand here and claim like i'm some i'm some martial arts expert or something but yeah. but i know what a kick is supposed to look like and it's not supposed to look like that <laughs> yes and she also makes reference to her stunt heels so uh, you know if you watch carefully apparently the heels will suddenly morph into flats <laughs> during, during some of the fights uh yeah so yeah i i, I agree yeah, it, it, the first this first movie is is tonally mm. It sort of it sort of wants to be campy, a campy Batman type series, but it also wants to be that that dark and gritty bad girl movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, and yeah, it sort of doesn't quite straddle that line. 
yeah. This I think the second second movie they sort of said, look, we're going to step away from some of the sex stuff, you know, some of the gritty, yeah, you know, the sex stuff, and uh, they had a new villain, the gangster prankster, and apparently mm-hmm. DC sort of said, mm, I don't know if you can reuse him, if you can keep using him because he looks like <laughs> uh, Tommy. Uh, uh, Billy D. Williams is two face mixed with the Joker. So I was like oh, one really? half the okay. Joker, one half's like a Joker face, and the other half's a, a straight face. So mm-hmm. yeah, he was a yeah he was an interesting character. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff they re- they introduced in the TV series that I really liked. I liked the idea of uh, they had a, a mad scientist, Doctor Phoenix, whose whole goal was mm-hmm. he would uh, resurrect the vi- he would clone the villains and try to try to rehabilitate them. And it just never worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and um, just like some of the the story beats too, I just like some things just didn't feel like they clicked together. Like the um, first off, just the opening scene with I think what have worked probably would have worked better is if her father, you know, you mentioned the Phantom earlier, yeah. and when the scene when the movie opens up and he's they're listening to the police scanner and yeah. he says, "Well, I gotta go," you know, you know, just stay away from the radio and all that. My thought was, I'm like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a legacy type of thing. And maybe he's going to be like the Black Scorpion first. And then mm. he's going to die doing this job. And then she's going to grow up. So, and then you just find out he's just a very stereotypical cop. <laughs> just like, it's like every, every cop movie cliche all rolled up into one. Oh, I, I love the, the bit when he's in the chase and he's call an ambulance because somebody's going to need it soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did think it was funny they got Rick Rosovich to play him the Hulk from yeah. uh, you know Slider from Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, yeah, uh, yeah. He was yeah, and of course he's like, you know, the bitter cop. Like, damn, lawyers, lawyers got me, got me sacked. He's mm-hmm. going. Mm. She's going. No, you, you got you sacked. Yeah, and then also when they're in the, the also too that scene when he brings them into the emergency room. Uh, yeah. the two criminals he's chasing and one of them gets away and i'm just like wait how come these guys weren't fucking cuffed i mean come <laughs> on yeah and he, and he takes the sh- takes the shot and he goes oh you hit both of his lungs and i'm like was it yeah this, i'm this, not this, sure this, how that I'm... Was it, did he shoot jfk as well with that yeah. bullet? <laughs> i was about to say that sounds like some uh sounds like some oliver stone magic bullet bu- bullshit yeah uh yeah so yeah I, and i can understand it's like yeah breath taker took what was it? 20, 18 years, twenty-eight years, or something? Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 get his revenge and like, dude, you know, you're stewing, clearly stewing on this a bit much. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're going to do it, do it sooner. Um, and also, yeah. that kind of goes to the the tonal inconsistency was the stuff with Breathtaker because, you know, the movie starts off and it makes it seem like it's going to be a uh a b movie a b revenge movie or something like that yeah. like a direct-to-video revenge movie that's going to try to take itself kind of seriously um and just gonna have a lot of bad acting and then you get to this cutaway of breath headquarters and you see this guy and you see the breathtaker in this <laughs> ridiculous suit of armor and he's talking <laughs> about his his asthma agents or something like that i'm like what the wheezing fuck warriors is happening? <laughs> yeah, wheezing warriors and i'm just like what the fuck is happening here i'm like did i just yeah. and I, like to be you know and to be honest, I did have a drink, and I'm just like, I didn't drink that much. Like, is, is this laced with something? Because it just felt so totally inconsistent from what we had just yeah. been watching. Oh yes, uh, yeah, very much so. And yeah, you know, and you, the, I mean, so I'm used to a certain level of ineptitude of cop mm-hmm. in these things, but I mean, say these cops just take it to the next level. Yeah. And when they and when they went to the TV series, the 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 rookie cops are just like. 10 times worse oh yeah yeah, yeah. i can and, tell that uh, just from the first episode i'm just like if i watch the rest of the series these two are definitely going to get on my nerves yeah and it's like I, and it feels like darcy just sort of says look sod this i'm not even going to try and be a cop i'm just i'm just rocking up to a crime scene and i'm putting on the costume mm-hmm. uh you know it's almost that that level of batman incompetence in the in the police force yeah and i also yeah. it didn't and just like the whole her whole reasons for becoming the black scorpion and just like everything it just it felt like we're taking several leaps to to get to these conclusions yeah. that she draws um 
And there's that one point in the movie too where I thought it was weird when she says like goodbye Black Scorpion or something like that. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? but then that yeah. seems like it. So I'm like, wait, she's giving up, but Tough. but why? And then Easy. it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to actually result in anything. It's like well, it's, it's almost like well, you know, I, I've shagged my partner. I, I'm that's all I need this for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. and then she's like, oh yeah, there's a bad guy still out there. I better better go fix that up. Uh, I noticed that was that similar thing happened in Batman Forever, you know. I was about to say because you'd mentioned uh, Batman Forever earlier, and we had covered that, you know, fairly recently on the show. And I remember, mm-hmm. you know, ta- and what, that's one of the things that always bugged me about that movie. It's like, okay, he's he's giving up the he's giving up being Batman because mm-hmm. he he falls in love with his psychiatrist and who he's only been out with like on two dates, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. and meanwhile, you've still got Riddler and Two Face out there, and I'm just and it's. And it was the same thing with there was a similar thing in Spider-Man 2 where, you know, mm. he he gives up being Spider-Man. Meanwhile, Dr. Octopus is still on the run. I'm just like, I can understand it if you do it like in Batman and Robin, where Mr. Freeze is yeah. now in Arkham. So now it's like, yeah. OK, this is a good chance for me to give it up. Now I wrapped up all the loose ends. Now yep, I can retire. I've got, but I've got yeah. Robin who can take over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's always uh, it just seems a bit of a, a weird way. And then it was almost felt like. That was just the setup for that joke, where she yeah. goes, "Oh, can I have my costume back?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep looking for the for the naked woman in here." Yeah. And he's, it's a joke. It's a joke. And you're like, "No, it's not. It's not a good joke anyway." Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of jokes that did work for me, I did like the police chief. Yeah, you know, he comes out puffing on the cigarette. He goes, "You look a bit stressed, chief." And he goes, "Yeah, I'm giving up cigarettes." <laughs> he's puffing away, <laughs> and he's like, and then and uh, later on, he goes, "You know, he's going." Light me up, and he goes, "You're already lit." That's why I'm gonna cough. <laughs> so yeah, hit that. I really like that stuff. That was sort of you know had that to me it had that right level of humor. Uh, whereas yeah, other things just seem to just either go too wacky or too grim. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest problem. And I had you know we just covered uh, uh, Power Rangers fairly recently, the the 2017 one, and yeah. one of the things that frustrated me about that movie was it. I'm not sure if you saw it, but there was this no. there's this one scene where it's um, two of the characters. They're like doing these martial arts moves, like fighting over a, a, a donut or something. And it's fun. <laughs> it's a fun scene. Watch them go back and forth. And if you're doing it like that, if you're doing something like Power Rangers, you got to lean into the camp. You got to lean into yeah. the ridiculousness of it. Um, but they try to make it so serious. And <laughs> and it was very similar problem with this movie too where it's like you know stuff with like the police chief like when he comes out and he's like he's like you're stressed like i just quit smoking while he's puffing away on the cigarette yeah that's (laughs) perfect i want to see more stuff like that if you're gonna do camp do camp like commit to it don't half-ass it yeah oh and how good was garrett morris as argyle oh yeah yeah he was fun (laughs) he was fun yeah Yeah. it's getting to the streets aren't even safe for criminals anymore And I, I thought it was, it, and this is what I'm talking about, the ridiculousness, right? Because he yeah. he owns this chop shop and it's so funny because she comes to him and he's like, he's like, well, I'm not going to trust you because you're a cop. She's like, well, actually I quit being a cop. Oh, he's like, well, then come on inside. Come on in. like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it, I'm like, that would just be, it'd be so easy to, to get this for an undercover cop to convince this guy, you know, you have to do yeah. a lot of work. Just say like, "Oh no, I'm not a cop anymore." He's like, "All right, come on in." Then not no checking yeah, up or anything. But, but they had that that relationship though. Yeah, he calls her True Blue, and yeah, mm-hmm. he knows that she's an she's an honest cop, and he knows that she's honest, so she's not going to lie to him just just to get that arrest. Yeah, and, it and... did feel a little bit on the nose, though. <laughs> oh, definitely. But yeah. but the thing that I thought was hilarious was that he. And when I read, I saw in the credits about the, they'd mentioned the Scorpion Mobile in the credits. Yeah. I'm like, okay. So, and then when he pops in, I'm like, okay, I know what's going to, I see what's going to happen. She's yeah. going to work with him. He's going to design the the Scorpion Mobile and all that. And then he drives up in her car and I'm like, oh, that's a weird thing to say that they'd, they, to credit the Scorpion Mobile in the, in the opening <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then he transforms the car and he tells her he's got this, <laughs> this he, they'd stolen this <laughs> secret I don't know, government matter changer yeah. or alter or something like that. Yeah. I'm just like, this is so ridiculous and stupid, but it works for what they're trying to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah. more stuff like this, please. Just like be yes. ridiculous with it. 
that's the thing I didn't get with that the Scorpion Mobile. It's like, how do the rear view mirrors work? Because they're up outside the car, up at the top, and it's like, what are you going to do? Like, look up like that to get it? And like, no, that's. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really nice looking car. Aside from that, I mm. liked it, um, and I like I like the computer going, "Yo, computer!" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Because of course it's a it's a black guy designing a computer, so it's got to speak in slang. Yeah, although I, I do want to change my you know Google to do that. You know, just go yo Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, and that stuff was fun. Like, I, if we had yeah. more of that, I think this would have been it would have excused a lot of the the poor action and the bad yeah. acting. But as it stood, it just I I think too many people just didn't quite get the assignment. Like again, you look mm. at. You look at Power Rangers, you look at Elizabeth Banks in that movie. She got the assignment. She is yeah. camping the shit out of that thing. If you look at um uh Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin, she got the yeah. assignment, right? And yeah. Joan Severance, I don't think she got the assignment. <laughs> no. Like I said, she'd been reading a lot of comics, and I got the feeling she was reading mm. a lot of bad girl comics. And that's what she, that's the performance she was going yeah. for. Uh and I don't think it was necessarily what the filmmakers were going for. So I think they just sort of went, look, we'll just make the best of what we got. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what you figure something like this probably had a tight production schedule as well. Just oh, it's Roger Corman. His. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I, I, I get the feeling that even if they knew they weren't on the same page, they're like, fuck, we, we don't have time. Let's just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. They probably spent most of the budget doing up that suit in the car. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just like, it's uh, like one of the, one of the reviews says that the mood of the film swerves from straightforward police nor themes to cartoony superhero action. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's exactly what the, the problem is. And it's, it's just pick a side, pick, a, pick a lane and, I, and either way it would be fine. And that's uh, I why think the, I was yeah. sorry, they sort ahead, of course corrected a bit. I think they course corrected with the second movie. Mm-hmm. And and the TV series, which was actually definitely filmed with in, the TV show, yeah, yeah, it was filmed in '98. So because mm-hmm. um, there's a behind the scenes documentary on one of the videos I've got, and there's like these camcorder footage from going 1998. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it took three years to sell the TV series. So clearly, that's why we never got a second season. Yeah, yeah, yes. um, yeah, and I was I was very impressed with how well that first episode is because it's. It's very campy, like just right from yeah. the start with the the skinheads robbing the gun store, and they're just completely yeah. over the top. And then yeah. she comes in with her scorpion mobile and starts, you know, blowing the shit out of it. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, okay, yeah, I'm fine with this. This works. Yeah, and I think the mayor was a better character in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, what's his name, Robert Pine, Chris Pine's dad. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, he was he was very over the top. He was perfect. I thought that was yeah. great. Like he was. Just so ridiculously openly corrupt, and just reveling in it. <laughs> and then, yes, yes, very over, openly corrupt, and mm. and you know, and he's got the secretary who's like, "Yes, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna go use the the city's fund to go buy me a handbag." Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to mention of it? I'm I'm having trouble finding a whole lot of things to talk about about this movie because it was just, well, yeah. Well, I found it funny. There was a, actually a few other characters. Uh, as I said earlier, called the Black Scorpion. There was one from like a fanzine in the '60s, and then there was another one. It was a very Green Hornetish uh, character, mm. uh, Ron Fortier, and another writer from the Green Hornet. When they now comics finished their series, they said, "Oh, look, we've got a couple other stories. We're going to write this this character." And it's actually a African American uh, newspaper publisher okay. um, who becomes the the Black Scorpion. And after these came out and the TV series came out, they tried to revamp both those characters and they mm-hmm. had to change and they changed the names to avoid confusion. So the fanzine Black Scorpion became Lady Scorpion and then ah, the Black yeah. Scorp- and then the Black Scorpion became the Green Hornetish character became the Blue Scorpion. Because <laughs> okay, <laughs> apparently there was a there was a deal to put that into development. Uh, and the other thing I found there was a a really bizarre couple of, um, you know, those fetish videos where you beat, you know, this, they have the off-brand superheroes that, you know, like a Supergirl, and she gets bashed up by the villains, and there's all that type of stuff. There's actually two of those with Black Scorpion. 
which was okay. really they're really wicked. Um, yeah, so it's got the costume, the black scorpion costume's not that bad, but the rest of the villains you're just looking at going, your costumes don't look anything like what mm-hmm. the TV show had. Um, the gangster prankster is now white, and one half of his face is Heath Ledger's Joker, and I'm just like. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I'm watching this just just for completeness' sake, but mm-hmm. it was it was very odd. And then sort of, but they actually called the character the Black Scorpion. They didn't, you know, try and you know change it to you know like when you look at the Supergirl, it's something like Supra Girl. You know, they just oh, didn't right. even yeah, bother, yeah. they didn't even bother trying to to make this look like it was off brand. It was just went this is Black Scorpion, and this is Black Scorpion Two: Rise of the Villains, and they just went okay. And yeah, no acknowledgements or anything. It's just like, yeah, this isn't going to make enough money for anyone to even try and sue us. Yeah. So, what did you think of the? So you, I mean, you had read the Black Scorpion comics then. Uh, How do those compare to the movies and the TV show? It's very much a grim and gritty reboot. Uh, Darcy's father actually is the chief of police, and uh, Breathtaker hires gangster prankster to shoot her father. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I like the idea of, you know, you've got the asthma puffer and that's got the mind controlled drug in it. Uh, they sort of wipe that all away. And it's like, no, gangster pranks have shot him. And, and she's like, I'm going to get revenge and I'm going to become the black scorpion. And you're like, okay, you've got the movie. Why are you reimagining it? Mm-hmm. And I'm actually surprised it didn't make it into comics back in the nineties. It looked like it would have been a no brainer. It would have seemed like, I mean, I'm guessing cause that was the mid nineties. Uh, so yeah. I'm guessing at that point they were probably that was that was after oh, the, the bottom had fallen out. So I'm guessing that's probably that's why a, they didn't try. That's probably why too. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, the other what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, yeah. Uh, why didn't make it earlier? No, I've lost the plot now. Completely lost well, what well, I was going to say. Well, um, maybe this will come back up then. But uh, one yeah. of the things I wanted to ask you about is. Because I'm reading some of the information about the TV show and, you know, it mentions like about Breathtaker, this, despite dying in the Black Scorpion movie, Breathtaker is resurrected yeah. by Dr. Phoenix. So the, this isn't like, you know, the Crow TV show where it's it's not connected to the movie. They redid the origin story and everything. This is actually a sequel to the movies. Yes, yes, very okay. much so. Yeah. Uh, basically, she gets a new partner, but he basically does exactly, you know, he's Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they changed. Yeah, you know, they might as well have kept the partner with the same name, but I guess they, you know, they bring him in as like, yeah, we're not going to do the will they won't they, mm-hmm. you know, keep doing that. They're just like, no, we're going to do new partner and we'll do the will, will they won't they, and the new partner is actually um, Mallory's boyfriend from Family Ties. Oh, all okay. Clean, all cleaned <laughs> up, you know, not looking like Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. in 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 Rambo, but looking like Sylvester Stallone in. Uh, Tango and cash. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that makes yeah. that makes sense then, because I was wondering when I watched that first episode why they changed the name of her partner and they bring in this and they bring him in as a transfer and everything like that. But yeah. now that makes sense why they did that because they had, they were trying to make it a sequel and the and the old yeah. partner had already left. Yeah, yeah. I think in the second movie he said, "Look, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to transfer out. Mm-hmm. I don't trust you anymore." So I think they sort of said, "Look, we've got that continuity." Um, Actually, do you hear the funny story about why they made the TV series? Uh, no. So Roger, apparently Roger Corman, they did the two movies. They rated really well. And a German production company said, we would like to license Black Scorpion for a TV series. And mm-hmm. Roger Corman goes, well, I had no plans for a TV series. But I turned around and said, wouldn't you know what? We're going to make a TV series ourselves. So, you know, you'll have to buy it from us. And that was the whole reason they did they did a TV series. It's just like, yeah, I'm just going to screw over these German guys. Mm-hmm. Something um, else interesting, too, um, just looking at the trivia here. And um, first off, Joan Severance said that she still owns the mask. Um, yes. And uh, while they were shooting uh, the car chase in this movie, the news helicopters appeared because they thought it was it was a real car chase. They didn't know it was yes. a stage thing. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and that, other, that actually got on the news. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I found interesting is um what uh Corman had said about his his decision to cast Joan Severance, because he said that my demands were, I felt, not difficult in Hollywood. I wanted an actress who was beautiful and had a great figure. 
because we economized on the amount of cloth we used in the costume, I wanted a tall act- actress. She does a lot <laughs> of martial arts. I couldn't have a five foot one actress beating up all these big guys. So I wanted a tall, beautiful woman with a good figure who was a good actress, but I wasn't looking for Meryl Streep, just a good actress. I figured this would be pretty easy in Hollywood. It turned out to be incredibly difficult. I've never seen so many beautiful, bad actresses in my life. (laughs) Yeah, he's told that story a couple of times. He told it for the casting of the TV series as well. Mm. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I think, yeah. the TV series definitely worked a lot better. There's a lot more. It did. I was I was gonna yeah. say like Michelle Lintel is a she's a much better actress. Like and so when I read yeah. that, I'm just like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, you you still didn't really find a good actress, though, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I think he found an all right actress. Just she just wasn't playing the role that they wanted. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was a really yeah. It was a, it was very tonally inconsistent. But I, like I said, I, there was a lot of course correction, and I think. It, it, you know, as it went on, it, had they've got a second season or, and carried on with the show, I think, you know, it would have just continued to get better and better. But mm-hmm. well, hey, yeah, I mean, it, just judging from that that first episode, like I said, that's it was a very strong first episode. So it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all if they um, if they had kept on iterating it like they had done already. And, you know, they yeah. fixed some of the stuff that that didn't work with the movies um, to very good effect. It would have been really interesting to see what they would have done if they had had a second season. I mean, yeah. if you're going to be doing a, um, uh, uh, you know, a camp thing, I mean, it, it makes total sense that you would bring in like Adam West and Frank Gorshin. That's, yeah. you know, it's, that's per- it shows exactly that again, they got the assignment. They knew what they were yeah. supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently the story I heard, and I don't know how true it is, uh, was they actually wanted Adam West to play breathtaker in the, in this, in this movie. But I don't know whether they couldn't get him or, you know, he just was unavailable. Mm-hmm. And they, they got, uh, what's his name? Casey, Casey, oh, geez. Casey Simezko. So, I'm probably yeah. mispronouncing that. Yes. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, you just didn't feel right. Right. Yeah. 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 He was the, he was 3D in the Back to the Future movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the Fifth's gang. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was that, also that, in that the, was... he was also in the Phantom apparently too. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he Love played the Phantom. Uh, Morgan. Oh, the Phantom's a great movie. Like, but that's a again, that's another movie where it feels like some of the cast got the assignment, some of the cast didn't. Yeah. Right? Because you look Actually, at it and yeah. Billy Zane, Catherine Zeta Jones, they're perfect. They're perfectly on point in that movie. Uh Carrie Tagawa as well. But then you've got, mm-hmm. you know, Kirsty Swanson and um uh treat williams who are just, yeah. you know, just bad. Just bad. Yeah. Just, <laughs> and I think and that's it, it's a similar problem with this movie. It's just like, you know, some people understood what they were, what kind of movie they were making and some people didn't. And it feels like yeah. even with the, with the director and the writers, <laughs> they didn't quite understand either exactly what they yeah. were supposed to be doing. Yeah. Actually, have you seen the fantastic four movie that they did in 94? Like, yeah. How did yeah. that, how did that turn it? Like, was that a good, well, yeah, good, relatively speaking, fantastic four movie or did it have that similar, I mean, it's tonal thing. You know, it's been years since I've seen it. It's, I haven't yeah. seen that movie in like twenty years, so I'd have to watch it again to really give like a a solid opinion. But mm. when when I watched it before, or maybe yeah, the last when I'd watched it like twenty years ago, and I'd only watched it once, it was yeah. I thought it was just bad at that time. Yeah. Um, however, I will say that some people have gone and said like, no, as you know, if you excuse the bad effects and you know mm. the crappy. Uh, film quality this is actually not bad for a fantastic four movie uh it's actually yeah. got a pretty decent story in it um mark buskett who's, who's been on this show he had done a review of it um i think on derek's site on derek's movie yeah. review site of talking about it and actually saying that it was actually it was actually a pretty decent fantastic four story so yeah i i'd be curious to go back and take another look at it but my yeah. memory of it was that it wasn't very good I will say, though, if I'm comparing this to that, to my memory of Fantastic Four, and if you asked me, you know, you have to watch either Black Scorpion or Fantastic Four, I might go with Fantastic Four. Yeah. Well, it's just saying. Unless I'm in a horny mood, then I'll watch Black Scorpion. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's the same writer. So I was just curious. And it was like only about a year apart. So I was just curious if, you know, if the writer, if, if, you know, how much you could blame on the writer. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this writer doesn't strike me as someone who's overly skilled at the, mm. at what he's doing. Um, but I will say that he uh, 
it does seem that he was he, he de- you can definitely get the feeling that he was a fan of comic books like yeah um judging from the fantastic four script like it it does it it does a really good effort to stay true to the to the uh to the source material like they try to yep. stay very true to to what the what the original the origin was and everything try to stay true to the characters it's just that yeah. i don't think this guy is a good enough writer or the cast were good enough actors to really yeah. do it to really sell it and and i think too when you're Sometimes, especially if you're reading comic books like in the '90s, or if you, yeah, and you know, he's right. He's as a he's writing movies in the in the mid '90s, so I assume he grew up on like Silver Age comic books then. Yeah, which tells me that I mean, you go back and you read some of the dialogue in those old books. <laughs> you know, I love him to death, but that dialogue does not work in a in a movie. It just doesn't. No, it just doesn't work. No. And you've got to make some. You've got to make some changes. And I don't think he really understood that i don't think he i think he was too and it reminds me of talking about fantastic four like the tim story fantastic four movies or like mark stephen johnson with daredevil and ghost rider it's clear both these guys love the source material very clear that they're huge fans of it i get that but it's just you got to draw a line somewhere right As, as a creator you know this too like there's you can't you got to put your fanboy side in the closet when you're sitting yeah. down to write these things. Otherwise it's going to cu- color your perceptions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, oh this is my only chance to do a fantastic mm-hmm. four movie. I got to throw everything in. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 And so I think, yeah, he probably was maybe a little bit scared doing his own character. Um, I think too, it was, it's, yeah. you know, because also in the nineties, you know, if you want to do something, that's a love letter to Batman 66, the nineties was like the worst possible time to do it because yes. that was probably when the reputation of Batman 66 was at its lowest. Right. Oh, yes. I mean, cause all of us who had grown up watching that show, then we had spent like all of the, basically from like the 1970s up until the early two thousands, anytime there was something in, in mass media about superheroes. Yep. Like anytime there was a newspaper article or anything, it was always Biff, pow, zam. And just like, Oh yes, yes. It was like the laziest, most hackneyed headline writers and all that. And just like everything was being compared to Batman 66 and, and Batman 66 was held up as this is what superheroes are. And all of us who yeah. were reading stuff like that, were like, yeah. no, it's not, it's not, it's, it's, just, it, it's good. It's, There's it's, serious it's, stuff here. It's gone beyond that now. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And now we can look back at it. Now we've had a lot more competing stuff. So now it's like, yeah. okay, you know, people, a lot of people have justifiably come around on Batman 66 and, yeah. and I'm one of them. Like I hated it in the nineties, but as I got older, I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, man, actually, yeah, it, it it's fun. It It's, yeah. and it's, it's very, it's very kishy. It's very campy. And it's clear that they were, they were doing that intentionally, right? They weren't just yeah. being there. They weren't stupid enough to think this is how superheroes are supposed to be. It's like, they were trying to do something that was campy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this, so yeah, it, it feels like maybe they wanted to do something that was campy, but they were afraid about how it would be perceived as too campy. And so yeah. they just kind of, they kept hedging their bets on it. Yeah. Uh, I know it's Joel, Mike, Joel Schumacher sort of did the same sort of thing. He was like, I'm going to be a little bit campy, but not too campy. Yeah, I mean, Batman Forever was a was a weird movie in a lot of ways. And we talked about this on that episode, but it's just it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't. It's it. And I think part of that is because Schumacher, I don't think even really knew what it was supposed to be because he went in with the expectation that he was going to do a dark, serious movie more in line with the Burton films. And then any and he want and he pitched year one. That's what he wanted to do. And they're like, no, we don't want to do that. We want something that's more fun. So he was just kind of like, I yeah, I think and, he had about even several like, masters yeah. telling him which way to go. And that and the original cut of Batman Forever was supposed to be much darker, apparently, too. Mm. And and then when it came to Batman and Robin, you know, they're just like, we want camp. We want full on camp. Yeah. Joel yeah. Schumacher just basically committed to doing camp. And honestly, now looking back on it, I enjoy Batman and Robin a lot more than I enjoy Batman Forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those it's funny, funny things like we say, you know. Uh, what's it they said at the end of Dark Knight? You know, you live long enough, you you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Mm-hmm. And it seems like if you live long enough, still they'll come back around to you being a hero. I noticed that. Oh yeah, yeah Adam yeah. West. Adam West. You know, like everyone went, oh no, you stay away from Batman. Mm-hmm. Like no, 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 no. We reevaluate it. You're actually really good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's because he he begged 
to be in uh, Batman 89. Like he was begging yeah. to have some role and they're just like, we want nothing to do with you. We want yeah. nothing to do with it. And then, you know, Batman, the animated series was probably the first crack in the mm. door when they brought him in to play the gray ghost. And then after that, yeah. you know, slowly, slowly, and then he ends up doing return of the King yeah. crusaders and Batman versus two face. And, and he ends up having this, um, people taking a second look at, at what he was doing there. Um, Did you ever see Back to the Bat Cave? The Misadventures of uh, Burton? Oh, no, 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 no. I was thinking of something else. No, I haven't seen yeah. that. So basically it was uh, the only way you could sort of make a Batman 66 movie without making a Batman 66 movie. And it was sort of a, a biopic. Right. Um, the, it was like it was like Adam West and Burt Ward playing like fictionalized versions of themselves or something like that. A right? bit of that, yeah. And then they were, they were going through traps that were from the villains but they were you know it's gaussian playing gaussian but essentially being the riddler and they sort of were going oh yes i remember when we were started filming batman and then they do flashbacks and they show uh, recreate with different actors the six batman 66 um and i think they sort of uh blue water did a similar comic basically did a comic book you know, with with Adam West having adventures and then oh yeah, I I, I remember seeing the seeing that on the on Amazon or something or Comicsology yeah. back in the day, like the yeah. the adventures of Adam West or something like that. Yeah, and there's a Julie Newmar one where she's basically being Catwoman, and there's a a Burt Ward one where they just basically say, oh yes, he goes through some mist and into a different dimension and becomes young again, and like, yeah, okay, I'll 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 let that happen. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, so I think we, we're, we're, we're now just talking Batman 66. I think we've pretty much exhausted the black Scorpion talk. I mean, yeah. I will say if you're, if you're curious about it, it is, it is free. Like it's on YouTube, the, um, the black Scorpion TV show it's on, um, it's on Plex. I was able to find yeah. it and watch the first and episode. And there's, there's some episodes on YouTube I've, mm. I've spotted, but yeah. Uh, and as I said, it's on prime here in Australia. I don't know if that's anyways, it's on Tubi in Australia. So. Mm. This is the thing I always go in Australia because you know people say, "Oh my God, this thing's on on yeah, Tubi." Yeah, and I yeah, race, yeah. I race to Tubi and go, "Not on Tubi Australia." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it it's not it's not hard to find. Like it's not it's yeah. it's on one of the free streaming sites, yeah. no, no matter where you are. So it's not. If you're curious, it you know you can go check it out. I mean, yeah. honestly, I would just say if you're really curious about Black Scorpion, I would recommend watching the the first episode of the tv show seeing if you like that kind of thing and then yeah. i'd probably just stick with that um yeah i can't really recommend the movie too much it's just it wasn't again it's i'm also reminded yeah. of morbius because morbius disappointed <laughs> me not because it was a terrible not because i was expecting it to be good but because i was expecting it to be monumentally terrible and it wasn't yeah. it was just middling it was just boring and i think yeah black scorpion had a lot of that to it yeah i think uh because i'd watched the tv series uh some of the stuff in the series made a little bit more sense after watching the tv after watching the movies but realistically you know you just you if you go look they're just resurrecting the villains as clones just run with it and it's all good <laughs> yeah i mean it's not like it's complex storytelling in those no, movies no, no. to begin with <laughs> no uh, no. Okay, Brad, but um, right. thank you for coming on, and uh, no why don't worries. you tell people where they can find your stuff? Uh, yeah, I've got a blog, um, poppybrad.blogspot.com, I think it is. Uh, that's about it. I've, I'm not. I'm a bit of a Luddite with, with the social medias. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll have a yeah. link to that in, in the show notes, so uh, make sure to send that to me after we sign off here. Yeah. Um, and uh, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. And if you remember, if you sign up to the Patreon page, then you can get these episodes a week in advance. Plus, you also get access to the book club podcast, The Panya Show, where once a month we talk about comic books and graphic novels. As we said at the top of this episode, Brad, I just recorded an episode with Brad where we talked about Doomsday Clock, had a really good conversation about that, comparing it to Watchmen and the Watchmen TV show and talking about the whole idea of doing a sequel to that story. A lot of fun conversations we had in there. Um, yeah. Arguably a better conversation than we had about Black Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> so I, what I'm hearing is I'm not coming back to do Black Scorpion 2. <laughs> We're probably not in that. I'm not in any rush to put it to, to do it. Let's just, we'll yeah, hold yeah. off on scheduling that one for now. <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time. 
If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.